0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan.
1: Hello here, welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show as we're starting to learn more here. Kind of what's next for Scott Frost and his staff. Winter conditioning officially began this week, but uh, this week we also learned a big piece of the puzzle of spring football. Nebraska announced the red-white spring game will be on April 21st. Originally under the previous regime of Mike Riley and Sean Eichhorst, it was scheduled for the 14th of April. And, you know, that's kind of been the weekend they've done it on really every year. Um, But they decided to make a switch, moving it a week later. Um, and the big reason why on this, uh, for several reasons, is Scott Frost didn't like the idea of having the winter program cut short and then beginning half year practices before spring break, then go on spring break and do the rest after. Um, and I think it makes a lot of sense. You look at this football team right now, they haven't been training or practicing or doing anything since Thanksgiving weekend at a high level, at least an organized level. So by doing this, you give new strength coach Zach Duvall an additional two to three weeks, send the players home, and then you've got at least a month straight of practices um, to to build on and work on with this team um, as they kind of move things forward. And you know they wanted to go even a week later, uh, but April 30th is when finals weeks begin. On that Monday, April 28th would have been a Saturday, and that was kind of the initial thought going in. Uh, They compromised. It will be the 21st and i'm a fan of it robin because i'm glad that we're not going to be over there like on march first i always kind of th- i mean it was we did what we had to do um you know covering it and being around there but i always thought it was kind of early um you know and they were really cutting that winter program short
2: yeah they were cutting it short they were starting it uh, ridiculously early when it was almost borderline february and you're gearing up for spring ball that didn't seem right. And then it just seemed like it just draw drew out for so Six long. Six weeks. Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, I don't want, you got to question how productive that actually was because, I mean, you were trying to pack, you know, a certain amount of information into such a long period of time. Uh, I much rather would have the Scott Frost approach where you just go nonstop and, you know, kind of just. Pack it all in there, and then you know take time off once it's all said and done to kind of reflect and you know let it resonate a little bit. But more importantly, I think the most important part of this is the more, the increased amount of time they have for their winter conditioning program. Um, obviously, that started up this week, um, and you know Zach Duvall uh, the strength coach, put out a tweet um, saying this is our first opportunity to choose championship effort, championship intensity, and championship attitude. And there's going to be a lot of guys on this team that are going to figure out what that means and if they want to be a part of it. So uh, we've talked about it, how pivotal um, these next few weeks are between um, you know the start of conditioning and the start of spring ball. Um, there's going to be a lot of weeding out process that's going to undergo. And so I think that you would do yourself an extreme disservice by limiting the amount of time you have to do that process uh, just to get an early start on spring ball.
3: Well, yeah, I want to say the the initial spring like conference press conference last year was on February twenty eighth, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. So you're ta- you're talking
1: a couple three, of weeks after signing yeah, day, yeah.
3: Basically, I mean, uh, so for for one, I don't think that's healthy for the coaches because. Recruiting, especially you know, the last month or so of recruiting is a grind. And these guys need a little bit of a chance to kind of uh, catch their breath and, and get their bearings. Um, and then I think you want to give the strength coach of the year as much time as
1: possible with yeah, two with, to three weeks is a big deal, Nate. Isn't yeah, it? you
3: no, know, it's huge. So I, and I think you want to give Zach Duval as much time as possible with these guys. Plus, maybe the biggest thing from coming from the recruiting guy is April fourteenth is an ACT testing date. So if if you're if you're wanting to have the spring game be as big of a a recruiting event as possible that's that's about the worst date that you can pick so moving it back a week will actually allow a lot of those juniors who are set to take the act this spring to to make it to campus um, and and not have any conflicts you you might run into a a track meet here or or prom there but for the most part um, if you if you have the spring game on an act testing date you are severely limiting uh, how many players can make it to your campus
1: yeah because basically 75-80% 75-80% of juniors, if not more, take the ACT mm-hmm. on that day. Uh, you're listening here to the Oscar Line Show as we discuss uh, the, the the move of spring practice and kind of uh, the thought process going forward. And, and I wrote this this week, guys, to me... Just the decision making and how things have played out from taking junior college prospects at a higher number than we've seen um, since Sean Icorce left, uh, from moving the spring game date when it was already on Huskers.com as the 14th to going to morning practices, probably when Mike Riley tried and wasn't able to get it done uh, because he had pushback. This tells me one thing Scott Frost is running this show. There are, you know, and, and that used to be, I think, an issue at times. Um, the last, you know, several years at Nebraska when ICourse and other people were in charge. There were a lot of people that thought they had decision power. In this deal now, one guy has that decision power, in my opinion, and that's Scott Frost.
2: I don't think he takes this job if he doesn't have that type of control. Uh, I mean, he's a very particular guy who has a very strict way of how he wants to do things and and that goes across the board not just the x's and o's on the football field uh starts with player development it starts with recruiting you know efforts and how they're going to strategy strategize with that um i mean it's top to bottom um he wants to have you know a a say in how everything goes and that was you know as you mentioned a big hurdle for nebraska Uh, that was self-imposed i mean you had so many cooks in the kitchen to where no one really knew who was ultimately making decisions i mean And John, you mentioned in your three, two, one. This week, I mean, you had you had your athletic director who was very involved in operations with football. You had a head coach. You had a defensive coordinator who was a year removed from a de- being a head coach who wanted to have his fingerprints on everything. And so, I mean, you just had and a GM and a GM. Yeah, obviously, I mean, a, a brand new position created from a guy that was you know essentially running an NFL franchise. So, uh, I mean, it just seemed like there were too many voices uh, pulling the rope a different way. And as Scott Frost has said time and again, you got to have everybody pulling in the same direction, and you can't do that without everybody following one lead, and that lead is clearly Scott Frost, and uh, like I said, I don't think he makes this jump to Lincoln uh, as much of a dream job as it was if he didn't have the terms that he specifically wanted. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Robin, and and
3: I think that you know who who on the third floor of North Stadium anybody in the athletic department I mean who who are they to maybe disagree or push back with what Scott Frost wants to do I mean the guy has the blueprint for success I mean if if anyone paid attention to what he did at Central Florida I think it would be hard to say no we're not going to do that here if he wants to do that so um, I, I think it's a good thing that he's being able to run his program the way that he wants to run it
1: now it's going to be an 11 a.m. game um, which tells you One thing, guys, this will be live TV. Um, If it was not a live broadcast, Nebraska would have this thing at 1 o'clock. I mean, there's really no other rhyme or reason why they announced the kickoff at 11 a.m. to me other than this thing, will be live TV. Now, tickets will go on sale February 6th to season ticket holders. You get an advantage there if you are a season ticket holder. Then February 7th, the general public uh, can begin purchasing tickets. And, you know, no one's saying for sure it's going to be a sellout, but I think that is the feel right now that – uh, this is going to be a pretty hot ticket in those first couple of days. They're going to move pretty quick.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the one question. I don't think the question isn't, is this going to be the highest attended spring game on record? I think that goes without saying. The amount of sight, excitement around the the Frost era is too great to even question that. The question is, can they fill Memorial Stadium to the brim? And I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, I think, I think it's going to happen. I mean, it's it's I mean a reasonably t- priced ticket. Uh, everybody is so jacked up for football, and I think by the time. Um, you know the reports start coming out of spring ball, and you get your annual you know spring hype flowing. Um, the, there's just going to be you know too much of a draw, too big of an attraction that people aren't going to want to miss. Uh, and so you know I think that this one, uh, it's going to get close. And if they don't sell it out, they're going to get awfully darn close. Yeah. Well, you look back at what spring games have have had some buzz around
3: them, and it's usually a spring game where there's a quarterback competition, or when there's a a change in defensive or offensive scheme, or when there's a coaching change. Well now you've got all of those things wrapped up into one and oh by the way the head coach is you know a native son who was a former national championship winner so i i think all those things combined Uh, Lead me to believe, yeah, not only is this going to be set the record, but
2: it's going to be pretty much a sellout. I think the biggest uh, event, spring game, I remember was when Bill Callahan took over. And you remember that first play where they shifted like three tight ends at once (laughs) and people had to pick their jaws up off the floor? (laughs) I think this is going to definitely exceed that when, you know, Nebraska comes out with their high tempo Scott Frost, Chip Kelly offense and start lighting it up.
1: Well, we got a full show here on Tap Guys when. Um, you know, we're going to uh, talk in our next segment about Tanner Lee. He got a huge break for his NFL future. Uh, was invited as a late add-on to the Senior Bowl. What that means, if you're not familiar, is um, you're pretty much a, a higher draft pick. Uh, senior Bulls are usually first-rounders through fifth-rounders. Um, the NFL people are giving Tanner Lee a heck of an opportunity starting on Sunday when he arrives to Mobile. We'll give our thoughts on that. Then we'll talk about Jordy Schmango's return to the Nebraska basketball team. Take your questions in the mailbag and then close things out with recruiting. That is all next on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Let's not mentioned you're getting a lot of attention and a lot of buzz, and you're focused on you. You're focused on what you can control. You know some of the other big names out there, Donald, Rosen, Baker Mayfield. How do you think you match up with them? Do you feel like you're in that same category, and would you take you ahead of them? Well, that's a tough question. I mean, those guys are unbelievable athletes. You know, they've done a lot of great things in college football. Uh, but to me, you know, I, I think... Yeah, I think I'm very comparable to them, especially my, my skill set and, and my arm talent and things I'm very confident in. So, uh, yeah, I feel like I can walk on the field and, and play and throw with anyone. And that's just, um, I don't want to sound cocky or anything. I think it's just uh, confidence. And, um, you know, those guys are, are definitely great players. So it's, uh, it'll, be, it'll be good to uh, compare myself with them.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was former Nebraska quarterback Tanner Lee um, as he was on the Jim Rome Show uh, this week in Los Angeles, live in studio. And I think that caught a lot of people's attention. Uh, number one, Tanner Lee's got a hell of an agent. If, if you got an agent um, that can get you on studio in the Jim Rome Show Knowing the number of quarterbacks and higher-profile guys in this draft class, it tells you he's got some good people representing him. And then we find out something. It was about uh, 7 o'clock on um, Wednesday night. uh, Tanner Lee got a late invite into the Reese's Senior Bowl, and and that's a big deal. And, And you talk about the decision he made. It was met with some hot take criticism from mainly Husker fans that are still mad about the 4-8 and season and some of the pick-six throws that happened early in the year. Uh, But the bottom line is the NFL people think Tanner Lee can play. You do not get a Senior Bowl invite if you cannot play. Uh, People that play in the Senior Bowl are generally first-round to fifth-round draft picks. Tanner Lee is going to have an opportunity over this next week, starting on Sunday in Mobile, Alabama. Robin, to really make some money.
2: Well, this was kind of the one big hurdle um, I thought uh, about his decision to forego his final season at Nebraska was just because he didn't have um, that opportunity for an All Star game because I mean he hadn't graduated yet, and so technically I I mean he wasn't even eligible to go to the Senior Senior Bowl. But obviously, some some doors opened for him. Um, Obviously, with uh, the Oklahoma State quarterback. You know, getting hurt, not you know, Mason Rudolph uh, playing in that game that left a void at the quarterback spot that um, allowed for Tanner to be the next man in, and this is going to be a golden opportunity for him because this is a chance. To get on the field for a full week and practice leading up to the combine uh, in front of NFL personnel, coaches, you know, GMs, um, scouts, evaluators, and they're all going to get a chance to see Tanner Lee um, with their own eyes in a much more controlled setting than kind of the chaos you see on game film with Nebraska, where he's, you know, got an offensive line that can't block for him and receivers that are dropping passes, and then, um, you know, having to play from you know twenty thirty points down most of the game, so. I think this is going to be um, a very, very important next few months um, leading up to the Combine, which I think begins in early March, uh, for him to kind of kickstart what a lot of other people within NFL circles already think uh, about his NFL potential. So um, definitely a huge break for him, and I have no doubt he's going to take advantage.
3: Yeah, I think he's going to do excellent there, uh, as a matter of fact, and I think that you know, getting that invite to the Senior Bowl pretty much guarantees that you're going to get drafted. Now he's got an opportunity to really shoot up a lot of a lot of draft boards uh, with all these teams being able to to w- watch him in person, work him out in person, and, and I think that this could be the type of setting that he really thrives in you know I don't know that Nebraska fans necessarily uh view Tanner Lee in the same light that a lot of you know like NFL scouts and GMs do uh based off what they saw this past fall I think Tanner Lee um you know you you saw glimpses of what Tanner Lee could be this past fall but uh, I think that in this type of setting this he's really going to turn a lot of heads and Um, you know, you've, you, we've all heard and and talked about, you know, the Manning passing academies and everything that he's ever done. He's just wowed people. And and I think that he's going to do the same thing in mobile.
1: Yeah. And you, you look at this year, the number of quarterbacks going into the draft. I mean, it's, it's a, it's as good as a year as you're going to see with guys like Josh Allen from Wyoming, Josh Rosen. Um, Sam Darnold down the line Mason Rudolph I mean there, there are so many um, good players in this year's Senior Bowl and for Tanner Lee to get this opportunity to me this is as good, because the Combine I really don't think was going to um, you know, benefit a guy like Tanner Lee as much. His 40-yard dash is not going to really do much for him. You only make a few throws in, in the combine anyway as a quarterback. You do a lot of interviews. But this is going to be real football situations run by entire football staffs. Uh, now, the Senior Bowl will announce the official rosters here, I believe, um, later today on Thursday afternoon, um, we're taping here Thursday morning. So we, I don't know who all the quarterbacks are that are officially in this game. Um, but just to be on that stage with those guys being compared in the same practice setting, um, this is about as valuable of an opportunity as Tanner Lee's going to get where he could legitimately move himself up a couple of rounds based on a strong week in Mobile when every single NFL head coach, every NFL scout, every NFL assistant coach um, will be inside that stadium and Lad People Stadium and Mobile watching practice.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, you talk about the combine. I mean, I thought the most valuable thing for Tanner with the combine was going to be the interview process. I mean, because that's where uh, I think he would really impress a lot of teams with just how poor and mature he is. I mean, we all saw it all year. Uh, I mean, the guy was stoic uh, at the podium, so I, I think that would definitely be an advantage for him but you only get one day really of quarterback work um, as far as throwing a football um, at the combine. So, I mean, you're going from potentially having one day of limited reps in a kind of chaotic setting of the combine to having a full week of practices with the senior bowl. I mean, that that's, that's huge in itself. I mean, just the the number of throws you get in front of NFL people. um, I mean, that that's invaluable. And then they actually get to not only see what kind of person he is off the field and his maturity, but see how good of a quarterback he is and what type of, arm strength and uh, just mechanics he has and how he handles himself around other
3: players and so on and so forth I mean Tanner Lee is a pro I mean from the very first time I ever talked with the guy when he decided to transfer from Tulane to Nebraska I was struck by how he carries himself and and how much of a professional he already acted like And, and I think we all saw that during his time at Nebraska and Um, And now these scouts and GMs and so on and so forth, are going to see that down in Mobile uh, and how he interacts with other players and and everything. So, um, yeah, huge, huge break for Tanner Lee. And and you have to be happy for a guy like that because you know that the way things happened, the way things unfolded uh, in Nebraska is not how he anticipated it going when he decided to come here.
1: No, and, and you think about it, he put up the numbers. And you know, Blake Lawrence, someone I work with on Big Red Wrap Up and have known, and Nate has known since he was a recruit, um, he deals with NFL agents and people. And you know, a week or two ago, Blake told me that the NFL scouts and people. When they look at Nebraska, they say Tanner Lee did about as well as any quarterback could have done considering the lack of running game he had, considering the inconsistencies he had with protection. Now, he made a couple mistakes, yeah, but I think nine of his interceptions hit the hands of receivers on their helmets or their hands, or he was hit while throwing the ball because of a breakdown in protection. So the scouts look at a lot of that, and it's going to be a real gut punch if he goes and does really well and his draft stock kind of soars up there to even higher than we think um, that
2: will be just one more final gut punch from this 2017 season. Well, one more thing to keep in mind is that with the draft class being what it is, there's probably going to be a big run on quarterbacks early. And so you look at teams, say, you know, a Buffalo Bills or whatever it may be, that are looking to maybe take two quarterbacks. You look at that, you know, fourth Fifth round, maybe. Uh, I mean, I think that that's kind of a a golden window for that that second wave of QBs. Anywhere between the third and the fifth, uh, where Tanner might be able to find a home somewhere. And maybe with a good team, maybe exactly. Maybe I mean, we'll have what, if what if the Patriots need to add another quarterback to their competition, which all of a sudden is pretty empty right now? Yeah, I mean that could it could end up working out really well for Tanner Lee here, getting uh, Cardinals know, need a quarterback too, exactly. I'm saying. so there's going to be multiple teams taking multiple quarterbacks. Well, and
1: the Steelers eventually are going to have to take a quarterback, right? Because I mean, how many more years does Roethlisberger have? He's as old as Eli Manning. So yeah, late thirties,
3: thirty-eight. He's on the down downward slope.
1: I just have this feeling it's going to be, he's going to go higher than we all even think and do well. And it's just going to, you know, it's for Nebraska fans, it's just going to be one more man, 2017 sucked. I mean, just (laughs) like we had this quarterback and all the NFL people are raving about him at the Senior Bowl and Combine or whatever. And uh, it will be real interesting. And and we got to wrap it up here, but the Pro Day, uh, we'll have a really good idea, Robin, when Pro Day comes around, when all the scouts come, how many people. And what type of people come to Lincoln to watch the workout? Because those types of guys, they're not coming to watch Chris Jones, yeah, exactly. they're not coming to watch Nick Gates. Um, if they're there, it's going to be for Tander Lee. Yeah.
2: I mean, last year there was hardly anybody there, but you compare it to a year like when Sue came out, it was basically a jam-packed Well, setting, Gregory, so. <laughs> Gregory and
1: Abdullah that year was <laughs> yep. a, a great year, too. I mean, so
2: that, that's very telling, the number—and not only the number of scouts, but you know who is coming. If you're getting actual GMs yeah. showing up, uh, that's a big deal.
1: Last year was the worst pro day I can remember. It was awful. At Nebraska. I mean— just
2: terrible. I mean, it, there, there's no way to put it. but and that, and that showed in the draft. I mean, when you've got basically one guy getting taken, I mean, that, that kind of is a pretty good indicator of what a school's draft success is going to look like in a few months.
1: All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over to basketball. Jordy Shimonga took his one-week vacation. He's back now on the roster. I'll get Robin's take on that and what that means going forward here next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
2: He spoke to the team before,
3: uh, and I thought he gave a very heartfelt uh, talk about, you know, he felt felt like, he felt bad too. Uh, There's no doubt about it. And uh, the guys stood up and clapped for him, so I thought that was nice. I said, now we move forward. And, you know, that's in the rearview mirror.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washet, This segment of the show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with seven locations, five in Omaha, two in Lincoln. It is your spot this weekend uh, to watch all of the NFL action on Sunday as they'll have a, a NFC, AFC doubleheader, uh, as well as all the college basketball going on. So get on in to any one of those seven Tanners locations and you heard uh robin from head coach tim miles there as he talked about the Jordy schmanga situation and then that is an interesting one to follow when you kind of study um you know how he left and the way he left and then coach miles said everybody kind of welcome back he gave a heartfelt speech well does that pass the smell test
2: to you robin i do uh think so um, i think that so what happened was last thursday morning uh, Jordy comes to the coach's office and says, You know, I, I want to request a release from my scholarship at the University of Nebraska and pursue a mid year transfer. Tim Miles is completely blindsided by this because they had not heard anything about it, and they're just like, whoa, what? Like, we're leaving in a few hours to go to Penn State, uh, and you're dropping this on me now. And so he didn't practice that Thursday, and they said, listen, you know, we'll, we'll come back and talk about it. Uh, and Jordy's brother makes a call to Miles and says, hey, listen, we were going to be in town this weekend to, to go to the Illinois game on Monday. Um, let's let's all get together and meet and um, kind of just discuss the situation so my was like all right yeah we'll, we'll deal with when we get back and so on saturday i believe saturday afternoon night they uh all met together and kind of just discussed you know what what jordy was thinking and what he was feeling and why he wanted to make this decision and i think what it came down to was jordy's a, an emotional guy um you know he's he's It works both ways, you know. He's like one of the brightest personalities you'll meet um, when things are going well. But I think when you have a start to the year through the first 18 games, like he had, where he's not nearly living up to clearly uh, others' expectations and especially his own expectations, um, that really got to him and kind of really messed with his head a little bit, um, to where you know he thought that maybe this isn't where I want to be. You know, maybe if, if I go get a fresh start somewhere you know, I can I can get things back on track to where I thought they were going to be at this point. But um, I think all it took was kind of just reassurance from Tim Miles, who to his credit has had Jordy's back throughout this entire process. Even when Jordy was playing six minutes against Purdue and not really doing much of anything, um, you know, he was saying, I'm, I'm a supporter of Jordy, you know, we're going to continue to stick with him. And I think that, you know, after taking some time away to kind of reflect on what this means, you know, Jordy was uh, reminded that there's probably not going to be a better Better situation than what he has at Nebraska, not only in terms of the support he has, uh, but of the opportunity he has to play such a pivotal part in, you know, a Big Ten team's front court rotation. So, um, I think that that's kind of water under the bridge for now. The interesting thing going forward, though, um, is you know he, this is a player who just decided, you know, that he was going to leave the team and miss two important Big Ten games and. You know, Miles said in that open that, you know, he he made a formal apology in front of the entire team and was, you know, met with a standing ovation, uh, you know, for uh, his just basically humility and apologizing for it will that transfer when the, you know, the games are actually played? And he starts seeing, you know, more playing time. I mean, our guy is going to, you know, resent that, you know I mean? Because the timing couldn't have been worse. I mean, you're talking about a Nebraska team that is uh, on the cusp of making a potential tournament run. And to have, you know, a guy that is a fixture in your lineup suddenly decide, I don't want to play with you guys anymore, uh, that that's hard to get over. And so I think that there's, you know, they, they're saying all the right things that, you know, Glenn Watson said, you know, we're happy to have him back. You know, he's going to be an important piece for us. But it, you know, we won't know the impact. Yeah, when of you're all going to battle until all, you know, the, basically they, they actually get on the court and battle it out.
1: When you go to battle, you want this guy in your bunker, exactly. and that's what it's going to come down to. And and Tim Miles treaded lightly on it by saying we're going to stick with a small lineup against Michigan. Well, they and, have to, and you have to. Yeah, Michigan is going to spread it out, shoot threes, and, and 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 have you know the play the the beeline style of basketball. Um, so. It's going to be hard to to kind of tell how this move transitions forward until then. I mean, he essentially missed an entire week of practice or more than yeah, a week.
2: About five days, he missed three practices and two games.
1: So it will it will be. Um, but you look, Robin, how this team responded. I mean, they came out half asleep against Illinois. I mean, that that was a, a weird game. I mean, Nebraska should have won that game by over ten points, and they just kind of hung around. Let Illinois hang around, hang around. Uh, They were getting destroyed on the offensive rebound. There were about three or four minutes where Nebraska took total control that game, and the rest, they just kind of were sloppy. But they were able to get the big shot made by – Palmer and and that was a must win game for this season to keep things on
2: track. Absolutely must win. For one it's a home game Two, it's a home game you're supposed to win and going forward the rest of the way Nebraska has to win every single one of those Um, you know just because you look at their resume uh, it's not strong enough right now I think to go to head to head against teams from other conferences that have top 25 victories that have those signature wins that Nebraska just doesn't have they've come close you know they almost beat Kansas they almost beat Creighton Um, you know the, the Minnesota win you know was kind of that that one that you looked at but all of a sudden minnesota's falling apart you don't play michigan state again you don't play purdue again and so basically looking forward uh you know michigan ohio state and maryland are kind of the only remaining games right now that you could potentially say are those kind of marquee victories that you know kind of bolster your postseason resume and so you know for every other game on the schedule, uh, they have to win out at home. There's no question about it. <clears throat> and they have to find a way to go on the road uh, and snag a couple of those. That's why that Penn State game is so uh, – stings so badly. Like that was a game they could have won, they should have won, and they let it slip through their fingers once again. So um, there's just not a lot of room for error. Uh, so going forward, you have to take care of business in the games that you're supposed to win. And it was ugly against Illinois, but it, when all said and done, they were able to come away with the only thing that matters, and that's a victory.
1: Yeah. You look at the real-time RPI um, here on Thursday morning, and Nebraska has just um, what would be considered, I think, a couple of wins over top 100 teams. Uh, Minnesota and Boston College uh, would be their lone top 100 victories. Um, Penn State, you know, as good as people think they are, their RPI is still only 132, Um, so that win – you know, or that that loss hurts um, when you look at it from that perspective. And they get
2: another crack at Penn State at the last game of the season, which could end up being a huge game. Like a term- bubble game. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Maybe. I mean, because if Penn State continues to play the way that, you know, they're capable of, um, they're going to be in the conversation as well.
1: So you look at this stretch, Robin, uh, Michigan number 30 RPI, Ohio State 19. I mean, that, that this is their toughest little mini stretch here they face. Um, then it's... 188 rpi 143 128 you got minnesota and link at minnesota 67 rpi you know nebraska will be a dog there but they have three games in a row that they are going to be right in the discussion or should win followed by rutgers with 188 rpi at home um, so they have rutgers twice on there i mean people say rutgers is improved but if nebraska wants to get to where they want to go robin they've got to sweep rutgers uh, then you go to illinois indiana and penn state at home i mean they only have Essentially, three or four, four top one hundred RPI games left.
2: Yeah, and that's why you know you look at that stretch starting this weekend um, with uh, Michigan, Ohio State. If they can get one of those, uh, that's huge uh, because that will give you at least one more win that you can point to and says that's a marquee victory. And then um, you know that it's kind of the, the the other end of the spectrum when you look talk about how bad the Big Ten is this year. Yes, it creates opportunities for you to look at. Uh, Indiana, going to Wisconsin, going to Minnesota, uh, going to Illinois as much more winnable games. But the bad side is just the opportunity to bolster that resume uh, becomes a lot fewer and far between.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see kind of how it all plays out as Nebraska has a big stretch of games. Um, they have, after this Michigan game Thursday, uh, the Huskers have. Back to back road games, a Monday, Wednesday. Um, you know, you, you don't see it very often like this. They play at Ohio State. Then on Wednesday, they go to Rutgers. So a travel day while they're on the road before playing a Saturday night game against Iowa. So three games over um, essentially a six day period uh, for the Nebraska basketball team next week. And um, it will be a busy week. There's no question. We come back. Uh, we'll take your questions in the mailbag. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as it is time for the mailbag. And sadly, I give you some bad news. The interns are not available for the rest of the semester as they have this unfortunate thing, Robin and Nate, called school. Ugh, millennials. So they are in. Weak excuse. Uh, Star City news class now, and uh, you guys weren't in the broadcasting side of things, but uh, they get to do a little newscast. Um, I think it's every Thursday here on uh, the Public Access Channel in Lincoln, so if you want to get a good laugh and see Matt (laughs) Reynoldson be the weatherman or something, uh, you can watch the interns as uh, they've got to graduate. They both graduate, so uh, I'm going to do my best. To navigate through the mailbag and get through S. Latimer's terrible questions. By the way, S. Latimer, grow up, buddy. You, I mean, just can you ask some real questions instead of thinking you're the funniest guy in the room? That's my call out to you for this chat. Um, all right, let's get to the real questions here, as uh, we got some pretty good ones um, this week um, in the mailbag. Um, First question out of the gates. Scott Frost mentioned the walk-ons would get the same treatment as scholarship players. Um, And he said, believe me, maybe even a little bit better. Wondering what that means. How do walk-ons utilize the training table? Do they pay for access? Any ideas what they're planning for this group? Well, the biggest thing is, Number one, the student athletes in Nebraska get all of the same things. Um, If if you're on the football team, walk on our scholarship, you get the same gear, you get the same laptop, you get the same iPad, you get the same locker. um, You get access to the training table. Now, Nate, um, do they have to pay for dinner? They don't get dinner for free, but they get all the snacks and nutritional stuff that you would get in the snack station by the weight room, and that's all free.
3: Yeah, they get all that. Um, I know that it's part of their meal plan. I I'm not sure if if dinner is though. At least the dinner did not used to be part of that, so that w- that was extra. Um, and that may have changed, but at that point in time, the why it was extra was basically because um, as a walk on, it had to be. You know, unless you were on scholarship, uh, you, you you really couldn't give a walk on player. Um, an added benefit that a normal student couldn't, so there was actually a lot of normal students didn't realize that uh, because of that rule that they were allowed to actually go have breakfast at the training table. Uh, normal students were allowed to at one point in time to go have breakfast at the training table because they had to allow the walk-ons um, in there too. So, uh, but yeah, other than that, everything's the same. They, every you know the access to the training facilities and, and with the doctors and all. That everything's the same as a scholarship player, other than
1: you pay your tuition bill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's a big that's, that's a, big a big difference. difference. Um, all right, next question, Nate's a recruiting question for you. Does Casey Rogers play outside linebacker in the three four, or is he more of the same style of a DN uh, like Ben Stilley?
3: Yeah, I, I think he's uh, he's a defensive end. He's not an outside linebacker. I think that he's going to grow into a defensive end. I, I think that he's. Uh, got a lot of similar qualities to that of Tate Wildeman. Um, and I think both those guys make a really good tandem uh, at the defensive end position there. Uh, You know, and and, uh, I I just don't see him being an outside linebacker. I think the outside linebackers that Nebraska would like to add in this recruiting class are Javante Jean-Baptiste out of New Jersey and then Caleb Tanner um, out of Georgia and now uh, a recently offered outside linebacker out of Florida potentially. But uh, definitely Jean-Baptiste and Tanner are the outside linebackers that they're after hard.
1: And then another quick recruiting question: What current commit scares you? Well, you know they already got a good bulk of their guys signed, Nate. So I mean, I, I think naturally uh, CJ Smith would he be um, one that scares you just because he's been committed but didn't sign, or is there anyone right now that's currently committed that you have a little worried about? Or a little yeah, worried
3: about? Honestly, not worried about any of them. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if you had to point to one guy, it would probably be CJ Smith because he he did commit before the early signing period, decided not to sign. But he's—he hasn't been taking any visits, uh, to my knowledge. He hasn't been. Hosting other schools for in-home visits uh, since the end of the dead period. He, he's not uh, planning on taking any other trips. He's been very pro-Nebraska on Twitter. Uh, in fact, he's been uh, seemingly recruiting other Florida kids to Nebraska. Uh, he's been very active uh, in, in kind of promoting Nebraska to, to a lot of other Florida prospects that the Huskers are looking at. So um, by all indications, he's completely solid. So, um, you know, there's not one guy I can really point to at this at this time and say, boy, uh, Nebraska will have a hard time holding on to him.
1: We're taking your questions here in the mailbag. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus here on the Husker Online Show. Uh, Next question is about the 11 a.m. spring game. What impact will the 11 a.m. spring game maybe have on recruiting attendance uh, with the crowd? Could the earlier kick affect things? I, I don't think so. I really believe... Um, this is kind of one of those events. They could have had the spring game, Robin, at 9 a.m., and I think people would fill the stadium.
2: Yeah, I don't think that's an issue. I think this really comes down to, like you mentioned earlier, the, the fact that they want it on TV. Um, and so, you know, people plan accordingly. I know there's some people that were upset about the, the date change who had booked uh, plane tickets and had hotels reserved. But, uh, you know. That's life in the big city, yeah, folks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Small, small price to play to, to follow Scott Frost's lead. So uh, I, I think people will be okay. It'll be just fine.
3: Recruiting-wise, I think you could run into some potential travel issues if if players aren't willing to fly in a day early. Um, just what, like you would on a, on a normal kickoff, but the only difference is that these guys don't have a Friday night football game uh, to really impede their travel schedule. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't see it being a huge, um, you know, drawback for for recruits or for the fans because I think there's going to be a lot of excitement around this game. People are going to find a way to get there.
1: Uh, next question um, here as we go through the mailbag: What will be the staff's biggest challenge going from the AAC to the Big Ten? Um, for me, I think it's playing nine Power 5 league games with the Power 5 non-con game. Uh, they're going to be going from a schedule that would only have two Power 5 games on it um, before a bowl game, and then their league of eight games, I believe. So um, I think the increase of going to nine with a non-con Power 5 making ten, immediately is a challenge because you're going to be playing 10 staffs that have legitimate budgets for football programs and money and support. Um, And, and the physicality of the big 10, the weekly grind of that league, um, you know, it it takes some adjusting. There's some very good coaches in this league, uh, but I, I just think the way that league can grind on you over a nine game schedule, it will be an adjustment for the staff.
2: Yeah. I think on the field, it's going to be the developing the trenches to the point where you can not only run what you want to run, to to hold up to uh, both sides, like you said, that grind that you, you see in the Big Ten. I mean, people talk about it like it's, you know, just kind of a made-up thing, but it is real, and we've seen teams and coaching staffs that want to bring in, you know, these new offensive styles that, you know, learn pretty quickly that you you have to kind of play by the Big Ten's rules. And so, you know, obviously, Frost has, you know, his style and ways that he wants to, you know, run his offense, um, but at the same time, you got to make sure that you're prepared to be able to handle not only uh, the phys- physicality of your comp, Competition on a weekly basis, but I mean, it's going to be a little bit different weather too, from what they're playing in Orlando and in, down in the South to, um, you know, sometimes going up to East Lansing, Michigan in November.
3: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you guys um, with the, the schedule. You know, building the your team, especially in the trenches, to, to hold up for that schedule uh, and really depth overall, I think, is a big deal recruiting wise. That's something that they're really trying to address right now. You know, another adjustment is going to be, you know how they handle having more resources. You know, I I think that, um, you know, with more resources, it doesn't automatically always make things easier necessarily. I think when you, sometimes when you have more resources, you have to put more thought into how to, how to best utilize those. So that's something to pay attention to as well.
1: All right, guys uh, quickly here. um, How surprised are you that there's even talk of the NCAA eliminating um, sitting out for transfers or football and basketball? And it, it seems yeah, the NCAA can proposes, but it seems like the coaches and the committees and the boards are going to maybe uh, just not let this thing pass very easily.
2: Yeah, it's ridiculous in every stretch. I mean, you're basically turning college athletics into free agency, uh, and you're kind of opening Pandora's box with uh, what – it's already a mess right now, um, and I don't think that this is anywhere close to finding a solution. You know, I asked Tim Miles about this uh, the other day, about, you know, his thoughts on this, and he said, you know, don't worry about – deciding where or when and how many times a kid can transfer, how about limiting the number of scholarships you have? So if with basketball, uh, you get 13 scholarships. He said, take that down to about 11. Uh, and then all of a sudden uh, you don't have to worry about keeping kids happy Happy, and, you know, you, you're, you're playing, you know, a smaller number of guys uh, and you just don't have to worry about the headaches of maybe baby babysitting kids that aren't having the seasons that maybe they thought they were going to have. And so, you know, you get 350 Division One basketball schools. Um, I think that that would go a long way uh, into, you know, kind of <clears throat> evening things out and, uh, you know, not – Not having kids that are constantly looking out for their own uh, self-interest because they're not playing the way they thought they would be.
3: Yeah, I think if you open it up, it's just, it's going to be just a, it's going to be a complete mess. Um, you know, when, and like you said, just complete free agency, guys go on all, all over the place, uh, transferring every year in some cases. Um, and I know a lot of people have pointed to, well, the coaches can can get up and leave whenever they want and they don't have any, um, you know, repercussions. And I think maybe that's more of an answer, you know, maybe uh, enact a rule that if a coach leaves, um, leaves his team high and dry. Maybe there's some sort of fine or or something like that. Maybe that will slow some coaches down from hopping all over the place and and kind of leaving some recruits or some teams high and dry.
1: All right, real quick. Lastly, guys, uh, proposal uh, in Nebraska to put the speed limit to eighty miles an hour on Interstate eighty. My answer to that is, hasn't it already always basically been eighty? Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Basically, it's just five five miles over whatever it's marked is uh, basically the bare minimum of what you drive. So you um,
1: want to you want to make it eighty five basically is what you're trying to say. Yeah, uh, but let's it, do it. All right, well, uh, we come back, we will close the show with some recruiting talk. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to
0: HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we wrap things up with recruiting. And Nebraska adds another guy this week, um, they get a defensive end out of Avon, Connecticut. Uh, Casey Rogers in Avon, Connecticut, right next to Bristol. I, uh, Nate, I lived at Avon, Connecticut for a couple of weeks, if you can believe that. It was um, a little nice little community um, right on the outside. Uh, I remember Rob Dibble lived in Avon, Connecticut. A lot of ESPN personalities that don't want to live in Hartford live there, so I'm sure he uh, has probably bumped into a few ESPN folks over his time living in Avon.
3: Well, from the pictures I've seen, it looks like a— you know, it looks like a gorgeous area. So, um, and the school itself is a boarding school uh, and it's quite pricey. It's like sixty grand a year to, to go there. Um, so, everything is like top of the line. Uh, and just really, really gorgeous atmosphere. uh, From what Casey said, and from the, the pictures that I've seen,
1: yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting community. Now, yeah, you don't. He's originally from Syracuse, New York, though. Correct. Nate? That's correct. Yep. So, and and I thought this was interesting. Casey Rogers was one of the several visitors in town this weekend. Um, he had visited um, both. Alabama and Ohio State, correct? Yep. And you know Nebraska, you know both those teams could have offered him at any moment's notice. You never know that he didn't have an offer yet. Nebraska has him in on Sunday. They get on a plane and get out there on Monday morning. And the first thing they see is the Nebraska, Casey sees is the Nebraska staff in Avon, Connecticut. And then that afternoon, they were out in Syracuse, New York, to visit with his parents, and that sealed the deal.
3: Yeah, I mean that that right there shows you just how much Nebraska valued Casey Rogers. Is uh, they had him, they held you know had him on campus in Lincoln for forty eight hours. Um, and then Casey and his family flew back home, his parents to Syracuse, New York, and, and he to uh, Avon, Connecticut. And then later that night, Scott Frost, Eric Chenander, and defensive line coach uh, Mike Dawson got on a private jet, flew out to Avon, Connecticut. So that next morning, Casey Rogers woke up and went to school, and, and Scott Frost and, and Coach Chenander and Coach Dawson were there again. So they essentially spent you know th- the better part of three days with Casey Rogers, and um, and the fact that they spent all morning with him on Monday and then flew to Syracuse, New York to spend the afternoon with his parents, I, I think that's what really sealed the deal and, and got, got the ball rolling um you know for a commitment and then from there casey spent um all all monday night and the better half of tuesday kind of contacting a lot of the different coaches that had been recruiting him and telling him you know hey thanks i appreciate your you know the offer and and the time that you put in recruiting me but uh at this point in time i'm going to be going to nebraska um and then later that night he committed so a uh, big pickup for nebraska i mean he not only does he feel um, you know, an area of need uh, at the defensive end position, but uh, he's a heck a heck of an athlete. I mean, he was a lacrosse star coming out of high school that wasn't that wasn't overly recruited as a football player, so decided to go to boarding school, uh, to this prep school, to, to see if he'd gain more interest. And he certainly did that. I mean, his stock was on the rise. We, you know, we talked about Alabama and Ohio State being right on the edge of offering. Uh, so Nebraska got in on a good time, and I think he's really a perfect fit for what they want as a defensive end in this defense. Yeah, you
1: look at Mike Dawson, Nate, and his background. I mean, he's a Chip Kelly guy that was at New Hampshire, uh, had coached at Pittsburgh, Maine, UMass Lowell. Um, Boston College with the Eagles. He's got a strong Northeast background. I mean, do you think his kind of knowledge of that part of the country and just being able to kind of speak the language in that part of the country played a factor in getting a guy like Rodgers?
3: Yeah, it definitely did. You know, and and we're going to see Uh, More of that in the future. I I think that Mike Dawson, um, you know, definitely had a connection with Casey Rogers and his family. Um, You know, them being from New York. um, I think we're going to see Nebraska become a little bit more active in New Jersey. Uh, You know, last weekend they they hosted Javante Jean Baptiste, the outside linebacker out of New Jersey. Uh, He goes to Bergen Catholic, which is kind of a powerhouse uh, private school in the state of New Jersey. Uh, So, and I think we're going to continue to see a lot more targets come out of that state going forward and that's because Mike Dawson knows the area he, he has connections in a lot of those schools he's recruited that area uh, for a very long time and, uh, and that's going to be beneficial for the Huskers
1: and uh, Verdu- uh, Verducci as well would be a guy you know he's not a actual on the road staffer but former UConn offensive coordinator correct yep um, so he's got a lot of uh, connection to that part of the country so really this is the staff that that's what impresses me Nate is how wide their net can cast. It's not just Florida. Um, we've seen Texas. We've seen California. Uh, we've seen the Midwest. We've seen the Northeast. They really do have a good diversity on this staff of guys that have connections everywhere.
3: Yeah, there's guys that that uh, not only do do they have connections from coast to coast, but then you factor in, you know, a guy like Ryan Held who has all the junior college connections. I mean, they're, it's, this is a pretty diverse staff. Um, that's going to allow Nebraska to uh, to really, uh, you know, spread its net out pretty wide, um, you know, from coast to coast and, and high school and junior college and and even prep school, you know, with a guy like Casey Rogers. So, um, you know, I think that's for a school that needs to to recruit nationally. I think that's really important. Now,
1: Nate, there were eight official visitors in last weekend, so this is going to be arguably the biggest weekend Nebraska has. From now until that February seventh signing day, um, you know they get Rogers. The next guy to watch, and it could happen any moment, any time. Uh, Miles Jones, uh, the former Vanderbilt commit, decommitted. Nebraska is looking at him as what an all-purpose type running back, and it, you know it's clear that they they want running backs on this roster, and Miles Jones is at the top of the list. Yeah,
3: Miles Jones. They see him as a running back and as a wide receiver. Um, and for anyone who followed Central Florida last season, uh, they they basically have told him we see you as Otis Anderson at Nebraska, exactly how we use otis anderson last year is, is how we plan on using you and and i want to say otis anderson you know had about 500 yards rushing and about 600 yards receiving uh for for ucf somewhere in you know it was a pretty balanced amount uh somewhere in that in that ballpark last year so i mean the bottom line is miles jones is not the biggest guy in the world at 5'9 166 170 pounds uh, but he is dynamic. He's explosive. He's, he's, he's arguably, um, you know, one of the fastest targets Nebraska has has uh, you know been recruiting. Um, he's a kick returner, running back, wide receiver, punt returner, and he's going to get an opportunity to do all those things at Nebraska. Uh, Scott Frost is going in home with him Thursday night, and I fully expect uh, for uh, for Coach Frost to, to leave Miles Jones's house uh, with Jones as a as a commitment. So. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see exactly what happens. Obviously, anything can happen when it comes to recruiting, but I will be shocked if Miles Jones isn't a part of this class, um, you know, by the end of this week.
1: Next likely after Jones.
3: Uh, Jarrett Bell, the four-star offensive lineman out of California who visited last week uh, out of Norco, California, uh, had a great trip uh, to Nebraska last weekend, even though it was it was cold. You know, everyone wanted to make a big deal out of the weather. But, all the
1: cold that scared you know, them all away. But,
3: and... I mean, when you look at the visitor list, um you know the large majority of those guys were from warm weather states whether it be Florida or, or Texas uh, or California or Georgia um, and and really did not make a big deal to a lot of these guys and and Jarrett Bell yeah, yeah he mentioned it was cold but you know what I think Nebraska is going to end up getting him on Monday. Um, that's when he's set to announce. He says he's going to take a visit this weekend, but what's kind of strange about that is as of today, he's not quite sure what school he's going to visit. Uh, so that might just be a little bit of a smokescreen, but, um, but you're talking about a four-star offensive lineman that I think could play tackle, guard, or center. Was at one time an Alabama commit, um, you know, he went to Tuscaloosa this summer as kind of an unknown and just absolutely dominated one of their select camps. Um, And from that point, you know, Nick Saban offered him scholarship basically on the spot. And, um, you know, he was a Bama commit until until the beginning of November, Um, you know, and then they pulled kind of an Alabama move. And I think that, uh, you know, they kind of said, hey, we, we, uh, you know, we have some guys that we like better or I don't know exactly what happened. I don't I don't want to. Completely speculate there, but um, to make a long story short, he ended up decommitting from Alabama, and I'm not sure that it was at, at his own doing. But um, but the you know he was you know, offered
1: the chance to decommit. And he yeah, did. yeah, basically. So,
3: but you know, I, hey, you know what? That that could be Nebraska's. You know, Alabama's loss is could definitely be Nebraska's gain because he's a heck of a player. Uh, I think he's wired the the way that you want to see offensive linemen coming into those. Pro- Program uh, Wired. He's a he is a hard nosed, tough guy uh, who loves, absolutely loves, loves, loves the weight room, and and and, uh, and I think that's the type of player that that you know this staff wants to be bringing in, especially along the trenches. And
1: we're not going to get into the numbers this weekend, just because it's so fluid. You know, the number has changed, the names have changed, so we don't want to confuse anybody on exactly who will be in, because it literally has changed every day, every hour, Nate, as we kind of look at the final couple weeks.
3: Yeah, the one the one big guy. That we know for certain is going to be in is Ja'Shawn Corbin, who is uh, you know a rivals 250 running back who at one time was committed to Florida State and a lot of people thought that when Willie Taggart took over the job at Florida State that Corbin would would jump back on board, uh, but that didn't happen. So I think that uh, I think Nebraska's got a good shot here. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with him this weekend.
1: All right, well it's going to be a busy weekend again of recruiting as Scott Frost and his staff try to close out this class and potentially. put together a top 25 class so uh, make sure you are on Husker Online as we will have full coverage of that throughout the weekend
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online your authority on Nebraska athletics